Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. Start this morning with a story. So years ago when we were still living in Winnipeg, I was, I was coming home from church at the end of the day. Our church was just outside of Winnipeg city limits, about 15 minutes. And it was, it was a smoking hot summer day. It was upper 90s. I was driving an old late 90s Dodge Caravan that didn't have any AC. Windows down, had my arm hanging out. Tunes were nice and loud, you know, just enjoying the end of the day. And I pull up to the first stoplight that was at the edge of the city as you're coming into it. And there was a turning lane right beside me, so some cars started to stack up right beside me. I didn't really notice them. I'm just singing away at the top of my lungs to some 80s cassette tape I had in my Christian music, Christian music, of course. And uh, someone pulls up right beside me, and I'm like, I didn't notice them at first, and I'm just singing at the top of my lungs, right, with my window open. Theirs is open, too. And by the time I realized it, it's like, oh, boy, it's too late. So I decided, well, let's just make the best of this. So I looked right at him and I pointed at him and I serenaded them with like Petra or Resurrection Band or something like that. And these two people, they look at each other like, look at this guy, he's a freak show. And then, and then I just keep singing, they drive away. And what this story has to do with the message, I'm not sure. But <laughs> I just thought of this, I, th- I hadn't thought of that for years and I just wanted to tell someone. So there you go. <laughs> Maybe the Lord will weave that in somehow, but I really doubt it. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get down to business here. So in last week's message, we discovered that indeed the Holy Spirit leads us as Christians. That's kind of, we've been using John 16 as a jumping off point into this little mini series that we're in here called Led by the Spirit. But we show that we're willing or that we desire to be led by the Holy Spirit when we choose to live our lives for the mission of God's kingdom. I shared with you several stories of how in my own life I became more aware of the Holy Spirit's leading. And because I was willing to join him on mission and grow his kingdom on earth, the leading became more clear and more obvious to me. We talked about what it would look like if here in Kandu we lived this way, led by the Holy Spirit in everything we did. People would hear about us all over the upper Midwest and say, oh yeah, Kandu, North Dakota. We understand that God is moving there and that's a good thing. We talked about it, like what it would be for, for us to adopt a street to pray for our community and spend time at the thrift store uh, rubbing shoulders with people, loving them and serving them or, or moving into an apartment building with a group of our friends, some of us young people, and just taking over that apartment building and getting to know everyone, what they love and what makes them tick and, and just loving them in a way that they've never been loved before. Someone came up to me after the message uh, last week and they said, well, I don't live right in Kandu, I live in Bisbee, but can I pray for Bisbee? I said, yeah, absolutely, Levi. You know who it is, Levi, Levi uh, Ciliano. It was so awesome. He said, yeah, I'm going to pray for my community. And, and there's not that many streets in Bisbee, so he can just handle the whole thing all by himself. <laughs> so today I want to share with you something that I learned probably 10 to 11 years ago by now <coughs> that gave me significant clarity significant clarity about how God speaks to us in his written word, the Bible, but also how God speaks to us through his spoken word. The reason this is important for us today is because if we are going to be led by the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to understand how the Holy Spirit communicates to us. 
What we're going to talk about today changed my life and my wife, my wife's life so much. It changed how we made decisions. It changed how we raised our children. It changed how we spent our money and what we do with our spare time. So we're going to pray and then we're going to dig in here to learning how the Lord speaks. Lord Jesus, this is an important topic, but it's such an enjoyable one. If this is new to anyone here and they're already a little bit on pins and needles, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just cause them to have peace and that they would choose to sit in peace and say, Lord, we trust you. We're going to look at your Bible and you're going to reveal what's true to us, even if we've never experienced this before. And maybe there's some people here who've said, oh yeah, of course, I do this all the time. This happens to me. But, but Jesus, you want to bring some balance. Whatever you want, Father, you know everyone's heart and situation <coughs> personally. And we pray that you would minister to each of us personally this morning through this message. In your name we pray. Amen. So many Christians read the Bible faithfully for much of their lives, but somehow the words that they read in the pages of Scripture don't really change them. What they read doesn't impact the direction of their lives or the way that they want to live their lives, and that's frustrating for sure, because we want the Word of God to mean something to us. If we're going to spend time reading the Bible, we want it to matter. Now, you've probably heard this before, but the Bible, what you and I read, it's not, it wasn't originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek. But there are two Greek words that when translated into English, they both end up as the same thing. It's the word, word. So the two Greek words that are both translated into the English and show up as the word, word in our language are logos and rhema. Maybe you've heard these before. So even though these are two totally different Greek words and they have different meanings in English, they appear as the same thing. And when that happens, we get cheated a little bit if we don't want to dig in a little bit and understand what the true definition of these words are. We think it all means the same thing when really it means two separate things. Logos is the universal written word of God. It's what you and I see in the pages of scripture. And rhema is a personal word spoken from God. So yes, that's right. When we, when we see the definition of the word rhema, that means that God speaks to people today apart from what is just written in the Bible. So we're going to get into each of these things a little bit. This might be brand new for some of us, but we're going to explain this along the way. So first, let's talk about logos. In, in only three places in the Bible, the word logos appears and refers to Jesus the person, okay? So this takes place twice in, in John chapter 1. So we read this many, many months ago. And it also occurs in Hebrews 1. For example, we'll look at one of these spots in John 1. The first verse says, In the beginning was the word, Logos, or the beginning was the word already existed. The word Logos was with God, and the word Logos was God. All three of these words are Logos. So everywhere else, so that, that's referring to Jesus, okay? But everywhere else that the word Logos appears in the Bible, it simply means what God has said or what God has to say to us. So a Logos word, in, by its definition, is a universal word. It is a general truth that pertains to all people 
at all times. No matter what a person or when a person lives throughout all of history, what their race is, what culture they live in, a Logos word from God applies to that person. The Ten Commandments, for example, that's God's moral law. That is a Logos word. It applies to everyone who reads it. It's for all people. The Sermon on the Mount is a Logos word from God. It's given to everyone. It wasn't directed to one person. It was for all people. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God's Logos word. His word spoken to you, written down in the pages of Scripture for everyone to hear and comprehend. It's for everybody. You and I could read about Jesus' sacrifice, for instance, in the Gospel of Luke today. And so could someone who was living in France in the 17th century. And so could someone who was living in Peru 500 years from now. And every single one of us, that message that we read about Jesus' sacrifice in Luke, it would mean something to us. Because it is a Logos word. It's for everybody. Does this make sense, friends, this universal truth? It's for everybody. It's not just for one or a group of people in Canada or the Philippines. It's for everybody. But God doesn't just speak in broad or general messages that apply to all people. He also speaks personally to each and every one of us. And this is called the rhema word. That's what we're talking about here. A rhema word is a specific message for a specific person at a specific time in their life. A rhema word is is intended to enhance a logos word because it can be a general truth that's meant for everybody, but we read it in our Bibles and it's all of a sudden like, whoa, that means something to me that's so different from any other time I've read it. That's when God is speaking to you personally. Here's an example of the difference between logos and rhema, okay? So, I could say to this church, to everyone here and to all of you who are listening online, I could say, I love you. And you guys would all have a warm, fuzzy feeling in your hearts and it would just be magical, right? Because you know that it's true. I do love every person in this place. It's fine, right? But that Logos word that I spoke to everybody, if I came down here and I I came right up to my wife and I whispered in her ear, hey, babe, I love you. It's different, right? Same words, I love you, but now I spoke them right to my wife. And it elicited a different reaction. You should have seen her cheeks turning red. And she was like, oh yeah. But none of you did that when I said it before, right? Just making sure. See, it's the same words, I love you, but when they're spoken to a group of people versus one person, the context and the significance of the message changes, right? So this is something so important for us to understand. Let's look at an example of this very thing from Jesus' life in Matthew chapter 4. So that chapter begins by saying, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, right? Okay, so we're, we're in a series called Led by the Spirit. Jesus experienced this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. If you look at that verse, you're going to see, Oh yeah, here here it talks about this whole idea. And, And take note here, I want you to see this. The word 
here in this, when it says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes from the mouth, mouth of God, guess which one that is? Is it Logos or Rhema? It's Rhema. It's God's personal words spoken. So, so many times we look at this and we think, oh, you know, I just thought that Jesus meant we have to read the Bible and that's what's going to prevent us from turning stones into bread to eat them. But it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible that you shouldn't do that, right? So Jesus clearly had this distinction in his life. He had this, this spoken to him to not, you know, turn these stones into bread. Don't give in to the temptation of the devil because the father was speaking to him through the spirit. It's not something that he read in the Logos word. It was a Rhema word. Remember, the spirit is the one who was leading Jesus into the wilderness. This was a God-given test. So when God gives tests, he also gives the ways in which we can be sustained or resist temptation as we're in those tests. This is the importance of God's rhema word. So for us today, let's, let's turn this into a practical application for our lives right now. Let's say that you struggle deeply with anger and someone is testing your patience or being super annoying to you. And it's getting so bad that you're fighting every urge within you to make a fist and to rear back and just to send it right into their beak, right? Like, oh, it's bad. You're, you're really struggling and you're, you think that this anger thing is ready to take over. So how do we deal with anger like that? That's trying to control us. Well, think about this. Jesus says in John 14, 26, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So if in that moment that you're on the verge of anger, what if this verse pops into your mind, Proverbs 15, 1, which says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What do you think that came from? It would appear that the Holy Spirit, at the very moment that you needed it, when anger was ready to boil over, the Holy Spirit reminded you of what is pleasing to God and beneficial for you. To not lose your mind on the person that's standing right in front of you, but rather offer a gentle response. So by show of hands, friends, I'm just curious... When you've been in a situation, a sticky situation where where temptation's been real, where anger's been real, where you've been facing a difficult (coughs) decision and you're just really being tested, you're not sure what you're going to do and you're kind of battling, how many of you have ever had uh, like a little voice just speak to you or, or a verse pop into your mind right when you needed it? And has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah, I see lots of hands going up. Friends, rhema. That's God understanding your situation, speaking to you personally to get your attention so that you can be led by the Holy Spirit into what is righteous and away from what is maybe not as righteous. God speaks to us, and it's a beautiful thing. God speaks to us to lead us in the way that we are meant to go, to edify us and to purify us, and he does this for each of us in a personal way, and it's wonderful for us to be ministered by or ministered to by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, it's talking about how husbands, we are being told to love our wives. It's in the same way that Jesus loved the church, this sacrificial way. And then in verse 26, Jesus explains, or it explains how Jesus loved the church. It says, by cleansing her, or cleansing her by washing with water through the word. 
Okay, so this is an interesting thing here. When we translate the Bible from one language to another, sometimes we have to add a word in order to make it make sense in the language we're translating it to. So in this, in this passage, the second last word there, the, the is the article that actually did not appear in the original Greek. So when we hear the word, we automatically, or usually, we think about the Bible, right? Because the word is God's word, the Bible. That's often what we think. But if that's an article that wasn't there in the Greek and some translator just put it in there for our benefit, he could have, or she could have easily also put a word, not the word, right? Do you see what I'm getting at here? So, and if we understand, if we translate the word here into what it was actually supposed to be, if you look it up in a Greek English dictionary, it's not logos, God's written word, it's rhema, God's spoken word. God's rhema word to you and me is a cleansing power that you and I can experience. And it's, it's so beautiful that we understand that God wants to cleanse us by speaking to us, not just saying, just go read my Bible. Don't have anything to do with me. Just go read these pages of scripture. But this is, this is the truth. He really wants to know us and have relationship. Man, what I love to do with each of you is what I have the joy of doing with so many people who come to my office and ask me to, to meet with them because maybe they're going through some trouble or an issue or, or some sort of difficulty that in their life that they're facing. When we get together, of course, we talk and, and I listen to what, what's going on in their life. And if there is something practical that I can offer, I'm glad to do it. But most of the time, what we do is we just try to connect to Jesus. So we hear the issue, we understand what it is, and then we sit and we say, God, you understand this so much better than us. Would you speak into this situation? We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. And then we're quiet and we listen. And very, very often, the person who's never done this before, but they try it, they all of a sudden say, oh man, I, I feel like God's just giving me a sense of whatever, to do this, to that, to have peace and not to freak out about it. That's Rama, friends. God speaking personally into the situation of the person who needed to hear his voice. I think it's just so marvelous. And perhaps this is something that you would do later on today at your home. And you're thinking, man, I, I think I want to hear this. Like, this sounds amazing to have this kind of closeness with God. Maybe you'd sit with him and say, Jesus, I want to hear from you. I'm, I'm open to your voice. I've never done this before, but I recognize that I want to have this closeness with you. Would you talk to me and give me some, some advice on, and then fill in the blank with whatever it is you want. Jesus, would you speak an encouraging word to me? I feel down today. Lord, I'm not sure if I'm really on the right track. Can you speak to me? I need to understand what's going on from your perspective. And friends, if you want, connect with me. I would love to sit down and pray like this with you. I've done it with hundreds of people over the years, honestly, and it's been a life changer for so many. If you want to pray together and we want to say, hey, Jeff, I just want to try hearing God's voice. Would you help me with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But once again, like we talked about last week, we have to want to be led by the Spirit. We have to want to hear God's rhema word. You know, we can actually learn about desire from a group of people that you might not think about first when we're sitting here in a church. We can learn about desire from our Muslim friends all over the world. During the season of Ramadan, Muslims fast and pray for direction in their life from Allah. 
But what's been happening is that Jesus is answering their prayers in dreams and visions. These Muslims, they're hungry. They want the truth. And Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, he is revealing himself to Muslims through a, phenomen- through a, a personal rhema word to each and every one of them who is hungry and wants to hear these things. As a result, thousands upon thousands of Muslims are having dreams and visions about Jesus and they're turning to him in droves, giving their lives to the one true God. See, this rhema word from God, Jesus personally revealing himself to them, that's the key for their salvation. As a matter of fact, I would take what they're experiencing and I would apply it to us. I think that a rhema word is necessary for your salvation and mine as well. Think about this. If I go up to someone that I meet on the street And I say to them, repent or go to hell. Now they might say, ooh, I don't want to go to hell. And Pastor Jeff is scary. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do whatever he asks because I don't want to end up in this scary place, right? And their motive would be completely based on fear and they wouldn't want to let me down. It would have nothing to do with Jesus, right? But on the contrary, if as I'm preaching on a Sunday... God starts to speak into your heart and you realize your desperation to be forgiven for your sins and you desire for Jesus to enter your life. That's the rhema word of God speaking to you personally and bringing you to an understanding that you need to be saved by Jesus. Isn't that good? It's incredible actually that the Holy Spirit is calling to people personally saying, hey, you need to trust in me. That deepest longing that you have in your heart, nothing else can fill it, but I can. Would you trust in me? Would you call on my name? Would you let me forgive you for your sins and live a new life? A rhema word also gives us faith to live for God once we are Christians. When God speaks to you personally, you're given a faith to do what he's telling you to do. In Hebrews 11, the faith chapter of the Bible, there are many people listed there who lived for God by faith. Many of the people who lived for God by faith on that list, in that passage, it actually explains how they received a personal rhema word from God in order to live out that life of faith. Take Noah, for example. In Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says this, By faith. Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. So who warned Noah about things not yet seen? Was that his brother? Was it his kids? No, it wasn't his pastor. It was God. Remember the story back from Genesis. God speaks to Noah, say, hey, something never before seen is going to come. I am going to flood this whole world. I'm going to destroy this place, but I'm going to save you and your family. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Build this ark. Here's the dimensions. Here's the wood I want you to use. I want you to build this. So by a rhema word from God, that's where Noah had faith to follow through. Would Noah have had this idea on his own? If he did, he probably would have thought he was nuts. But because it was from God, it was clear and it led him, right? It's the same thing with Joshua and the walls of Jericho. God told him and the Israelites to march around Jericho and the walls would come down. So that's what they did and it happened, right? So in both cases, it was a rhema word from God that caused Joshua and Noah to be faithful. Now, if you and I read these things in the Bible about Noah or Joshua, we said, hey, that's awesome. 
you know what, let's, let's build a huge boat. Because then I think that water's going to flood this whole earth if we do that. It happened for Noah, it'll happen for us, right? Wrong. Because it's a rhema word. It's for Noah, a specific person during a specific time in their life to do a specific task. You and I can't take those rhema promises that were for Noah and Joshua and apply them to us. If we go march around a building here in town as a church... I don't think it's going to come tumbling down. And if it did, we would probably be liable, okay? So these things were meant for those people at that time. You know, it's interesting, though. Some of us, we say, but Jeff, like, these are practically biblical legends. Like, these things happened so long ago. It's just a good story. But do we really have proof that that was God's rhema word? Yes, we do, as a matter of fact. So Noah was given dimensions for this boat. It was a rhema word spoken to him. But a, a ministry called Answers in Genesis, what they wanted to do is say, okay, we believe that God is faithful and what he says in his word is true. So we're going to put it to the test. We're going to take the dimensions that were given to Noah and we're going to build an ark. And that's what they did in northern Kentucky. And my family and I, we have walked through a scale version of the ark that Noah and his family would have sailed in. And it is incredible. If you want a place to go on vacation that will boost your faith, that will, will make you have goosebumps and say, oh my God, this is amazing. I love what you're doing, God. I love that you're leading us into something so spectacular that we can see it right before our eyes. God, your, your glory is right before us and it's wonderful. Think about these kinds of things, friends. This is what we can do when we test what God says and see that it is actually interesting and, and factual. A rhema word for God is also key for claiming God's promises. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God promised them a son even though they were too old to have children anymore. But God spoke this message to them personally. It was a rhema word. Would they believe it? It's a far-fetched promise that that no one else could make to them and, and have come true. But they did believe. And Isaac was born This promise from God came to them because God spoke it to them and they chose to receive it. A rhema word is key for understanding answered prayers. A few weeks ago we read in John 15 verse 7, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. So once again, when when Jesus is saying, When my words remain in you, that's rhema. It's not Logos. It's not like as long as you read the Bible, all of your prayers are going to be answered. No, as long as you hear the word that I'm speaking to you and pray according to those things, that's when your prayers will be answered. So Jesus is saying, like, we have to have relationship and listen to him. We have to hear from him, and that's where prayers start to come. So really, if I ask God, what should I be praying about? If I ask him for a rhema word, instead of just telling him everything I want, my prayers will be answered because I will be praying according to what I hear the Spirit telling me to pray and not what I just want. So often, Christians come to me and they're frustrated. They've been praying. We pray and we pray and we pray for what we want. And those prayers go unanswered and then we're frustrated. Jesus, I thought you said I could ask for whatever I want. And then we point to verses like this. But no, Jesus is promising us that if we listen to what he says to us personally and pray for those things, that's when our prayers will be answered. Then the will of God is what we desire in our hearts. I think this is teaching us that prayer is far less about us talking. And it's far more about us listening and asking and responding in prayer.
Here's an example. Uh, This last week on Wednesday, I was walking and I was praying about two groups of people that the Lord has put on my heart in, in our community here. I was praying and asking God how I could, I could um, <coughs> love these people and help them more because I just got this sense like they were in need. I was wondering with God about, about what I could do and, and I didn't really know if it was my place or if I was pushing or if I was like making myself believe that this was God but it wasn't really him. So as I was walking and praying, I just asked God for clarity and as I was thinking these things, I just heard the words so clearly in my heart, Feed my sheep. And I thought, well, Jesus, that's what you said to Peter in John 21. And now I heard him speak those very things, that Logos word, to me in a Rhema way. And it's like it was so affirming because I just, I wanted that clarity. I wanted to understand, God, if this is what you want, just help me to know for sure so I'm not moving on my own. And after that, after hearing God say to me, feed my sheep, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm in God, like whatever you want, I absolutely want your will to be done. And I could pray with confidence and the rest of my week actually was shaped differently because I heard that word from God. A rhema word is necessary for receiving guidance from God as well. Back in 2018, uh, I've, I've shared parts of this story before, but it's been a little while. This is just too perfect not to use. Back in 2018, my family and I, we were waiting to come here to Kandu, and uh, we had taken a position as, as an interim pastor at a small church up in Bozager, Manitoba. We were there for about 10, 8 to 10 months, something like that. And while we were, while we were there, it was, we had been there for a little while by now, and Karen and I, we had been praying and just saying, God, like, we're, we're, we're so glad that you've given us this place in Bozier that we can minister and, and get a paycheck and survive and all these kinds of things. We're happy to be here. But Jesus, you know that you have led our hearts to Kandu and we desperately want to be there. We, we just pray that you will lead us there. You provide the paperwork so that our visa can be cleared and we can arrive here in Kandu. And it, those prayers went on for a long time. I remember though in December of 2018 um, that I was... I was praying in my office about, about some of these things, asking God for clarity. I just say, okay, God, I would like to know from you. I, I, just, I don't want to pray these things blindly anymore. I just want to know what your plan is. What, what is a good time? Because we, we just had this sense that we were supposed to start to, to move on and, and, and end things with Bozier and move to Canada, uh, to Canada. And we we're like, Jesus, would you please clarify? Would you please give us some direction here? And I sense God actually saying to me, Jeff, the last Sunday in December is meant to be your last Sunday in Bozager. Like, oh, wow, God, that's great. Thank you, thank you. But Jesus, I don't want this to just be my own thing because I can so easily hear what I want to hear. So God, would you please send me confirmation? If this is your word, your rhema word spoken to me, would you please confirm it in a way that is totally outside of my control? So after I was done praying, that was my, my quiet time in the morning. I got to work on the message and things like that for, for church that Sunday. And later that morning, uh, our board chairman up at Beauxjour, his name is Larry Little, he came to visit me, as he often did. And we were just kind of small chatting for a little while and just, just talking about the week and things like that. And then, and then Larry looked at me and he says, hey, hey, Jeff, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, sure. I, had a, I was waking up this morning and I, I, I had this crazy vision that just all of a sudden popped into my mind. Can I run it past you? I'm like, sure. So he tells me about this vision. He says, in this vision, he saw me struggling with a bow and arrow. And I was trying to shoot it, trying to shoot it, and I couldn't do it. 
And then Larry, in this vision, walked over and he looked a little bit more closely at what was going on and he saw that the arrow that I was trying to shoot had a tip on both ends. So Larry said to me, what are, you, what are you doing? You can't shoot an arrow like that. You have to break one of the tips off. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Larry. So I, in, the, in this vision, I broke a tip off, I pulled it back, and I shot the arrow, and it worked great. So now back in my office, Larry looks at me and says, Jeff, do you have any idea what that might mean? I'm like, yeah, Larry, I think I do. Because our heart had two arrow tips on it, right? We were there for Bozizier because God had led us to, there, to be there temporarily. But truly, our hearts longed to be in Kandu. So that was the confirmation. We said, yeah, we feel like we need to break off our time here in Bozizier and end things and be prepared, even though our visa hadn't come yet, to go to Kandu. So December 30th was the final Sunday in, in 2018. That was our last Sunday in Bozizier. And within three months, our visa came. And we got to move down here to Kandu. Isn't that awesome? Like God just understands so perfectly everything we need. He doesn't want us to be people who are just groping and grasping in the darkness, hoping that we're going to find something to lead us on. But we can actually live with absolute confidence, knowing that God has guidance for our lives. And if we love him enough that we would stop and say, God, your will be done, not mine. What do you want me to do? He will absolutely lead us and guide us. A rhema word is also key for studying the Bible. Reading the Bible and memorizing scripture are both excellent practices for us to do as Christians, but those things aren't the goal. Just reading the Bible and knowing what it says and memorizing it isn't the goal. We, we want it to change us. That's the purpose of the Bible. So Logos words or general... <coughs> excuse me, general truths are certainly good. But the times in my life where the Bible has made the greatest impact on me, brought about the most significant change, is because God used a rhema word to help me understand what the Logos word was saying for my specific situation. I remember years and years and years ago reading in Galatians. And I knew that I, I, I wanted to be pure before God in my heart, in my thoughts, in my actions. But it wasn't easy. There was a struggle for purity. There was a battle going on in my life. But something that I read in Galatians 5, it changed everything that I thought when it came to the topic of purity. It was from verse 16 and 17 where it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Oh, as soon as I read those things, I was like, now I get it. In this moment, it was like the words jumped off the page of the Bible to me. This word, which is for everybody, had a specific meaning to me in that moment because the Holy Spirit was giving me clarity about something I had never received before. This rhema word from God helped me to understand the struggle for purity that I was going through. I was captured in that moment and motivated to live by the Holy Spirit in a way I didn't think was possible. Now, if the Holy Spirit didn't speak to me at that time... I don't believe that I would have been able to gain that kind of understanding from that piece of scripture. But because he illuminated my heart, 
because he spoke to me in a way that I understood, all of a sudden it meant something different for me in the situation that I was in. I hope that today you've seen the absolute necessity for hearing God speak to you directly and personally. Not only is God able to speak personally into your life for salvation, to boost your faith, to help us receive his promises for our prayers to be answered, to guide us and for meaningful meditation on his word. But he wants to do those things because God loves you. God doesn't love us in a formal way where it's by obligation, but he loves us in a way where he wants us to experience him personally. We hear all the time that Jesus loves you and that he wants relationship with you. But I think learning about rhema words, personal words from God to us, has been one of the greatest proofs that this loving relationship with God is real and tangible. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't bother knowing each of us and speaking to us in the way that we've discovered today. I hope that you're excited by this. And you're asking yourself right now, well, how do I grow in hearing God like this? Next week, we're going to talk about several ways that God speaks to us for the purpose of leading our lives. We're going to hear more stories and practical examples of what a rhema word from God can look like. They're not all exactly the same, but they do come from the same God because the same spirit that lives in you lives in me. So Karen, why don't you come up and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we've heard about this personal word that you want to speak to us because you know each and every one of your children intimately. You know all the details of our lives. You understand who we are. And not only that, but your wisdom and your grace and your love and your mercy, your guidance, salvation, and all these amazing things that we can only receive from you. You want us to experience them through how you speak to us. Lord, there were many hands that went up in this building this morning when we asked about, hey, have we ever been in a tough situation? And all of a sudden, we, we felt a still small voice or, or like we felt a, a scripture verse popping up to remind us of how to handle that situation. There were many hands that went up, Jesus. That means that there are many people here who are open to you. And I pray for those who didn't, who didn't hold up their hand. I pray that they wouldn't disqualify themselves. But that this week, they would give time to you. And they would say, yeah, Jesus, I haven't experienced this, but I want to. Would you come and speak? Would you come and enter my life and lead me in the way that you want to for your glory? Amen.